Welcome to the Development Podcast, a podcast jam-packed with fantastic advice on professional development from interviews with renowned authors, speakers, industry professionals, and influencers. I'm your host, Marty Manosalvas. Thanks again for tuning in. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining in. Uh, Today, I'm thrilled to have self-discovery expert, TikTok partner, and the founder of Purpose Driven Latina Coaching, Erica Cruz, here to discuss imposter syndrome. Uh, So she helps first-gen align with their purpose and find fulfillment through mindset and mindfulness. After eight years in the tech industry, Erica has recently turned her side hustle into her main hustle, all thanks to TikTok. As a proud daughter of Mexican immigrants, Erica is aware of the lack of resources that were available to her growing up. For this reason, she's on a mission to connect other first gens with tools and resources. Her content on TikTok focuses on bringing people back to themselves so they can align with a deeper purpose, gain confidence, and dream big. Uh, So after studying at the University of California in Berkeley and studying abroad in Barcelona, she went on to hold several roles with globally recognized brands at companies like uh, Oracle. So it's very well-versed within the technology space. Uh, So she's now helping others grow their personal brand and business on TikTok. So Erica, thanks again. This is awesome. And I really appreciate you making time. I know this has been a busy week, so really excited to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, How are you doing? Hey, Martin. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. And that was such a good introduction. I'm like, oh my gosh, sometimes whenever you forget (laughs) what you've done, you know, and then when somebody else like reads it out like that, you're like, oh yeah. And so I think I tell my clients that all the time. We're so focused on, you know, where where we want to go that we fail to recognize how far we've already come. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, But yeah, can you start us off with just sharing a bit about, you know, your experience, how that was like for you in tech and and just your thoughts on like uh, initial thoughts on imposter syndrome, like what that meant, how that looked like in, in your space and in where you're at now. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is like that toxic friend that you can't get rid of. It keeps coming up. And the first time I felt imposter syndrome was um, through my educational journey. So my brother was always the really smart one in the family. And I was the one that just kind of got by barely. And so I never really identified as being intelligent or being book smart. So I felt a lot of imposter syndrome in my early educational experience, but I also felt a lot of imposter syndrome um, even getting to Berkeley. I remember my brother told me one day, you'll never get into Berkeley. Berkeley's for smart people. But being the person that I am, that was like the fire under my ass to like really prove to him that I could. So I worked really hard. I ended up getting into Berkeley. And I think what really happened is that I learned how to learn and it made it um, the way that people learn is just very different. And I started to actually learn about imposter syndrome when I was in community college. And once I got to Berkeley, and I really do think that the more you learn about imposter syndrome, it's kind of like how therapists say, like, if you name a feeling, it no longer takes control over you. And I feel like that's the same about imposter syndrome. When you recognize that it is more common than we think, and most people feel imposter syndrome, it is a lot easier to to overcome. And I ended up falling into technology kind of by accident. So I just picked the first job that I could get out of college because I was really worried about finding a job. And Oracle happened to be at Berkeley recruiting. 
And I just so happened to have sales experience in all of the jobs I had prior. So I worked retail uh, pretty much throughout high school and college. So I had sales experience through that retail experience and Oracle was looking for entry level salespeople. So I kind of fell into that. And, you know, I had I had already kind of gotten over the imposter syndrome through education. But once I got into the tech world, not only were there not a lot of women, but like there weren't a lot of women of color. And I suddenly started to I I felt unrelatable and I was feeling like, okay, all these people know something that I don't. And that was partly true. Uh, A lot of people had maybe parents that already worked in technology and they had connections and they had mentors and I had none of that. I, I didn't even really know what my job was when I was starting. So there was a lot of imposter syndrome, some of which was not necessarily accurate, um, like feeling like I'm not good enough. Yeah, I was definitely good enough. But there was other aspects of I didn't really know how to do my job. And that was something that I could have worked on. And that was a legitimate feeling. So what I find is that imposter syndrome, sometimes it's about mindset and other times it's literally about identifying what we have to work on. So like if somebody put you in front of an audience, Martin, and said, okay, like you have to go dance salsa, you're going to have imposter syndrome unless you know how to dance salsa, right? So like there's, um, I guess what I'm saying is that there's two pieces to imposter syndrome. There's the belief that you're not good enough. And then there's also, you actually have to work on something and it everything is figure outable. You can figure things out. Absolutely. And no, if, if you're going to put me on stage, there's, there's no way I would know what I'm doing. I don't know what I would do. So that'd be really tough. Um, no, but you're right in that it's more common than we think. And that's that's exactly what I realized. Like when I started um, interning at LinkedIn this summer, it's like you join a company with so much talent and everyone's just so, uh, and, and you get this like even going to school, like when you went to Berkeley, it's like everyone's just very talented, smart. And so you just start thinking to yourself, like, did they make a mistake in hiring me? Like, was I just not good enough? Was I just not smart enough? Like, like am I even supposed to be here? And the more I, I started like being a little bit more open with that, I start recognizing that a lot of other people are the exact same boat. Like they they feel the exact same way and like it's much more normal than we think is dealing with this. Um, and so to expand on that, like what are some, what's some advice that you would share around, you know, overcoming that, um, that self-doubt, you know, that criticism and like that feeling of just feeling that you're fake and you don't have what it takes. Yeah. And to your point about, oh, wow, did somebody make a mistake in hiring me or in getting me into the school? I'll never forget. It was my first week at Berkeley and my mom called me to check on me to see how I was doing. And I was crying on the phone and it was just like that mom instinct. So, uh, yeah, my mom called and she was like, oh, no, like what's wrong? And I just like I could finally I I couldn't even uh, catch my breath because I was I was breaking down crying and, and she could tell something was wrong. I hadn't actually said I was crying yet, but it was just like that awkward silence of like something's wrong. So I finally like take that inhale. And then I I told her, I was like, mom, somebody fucked up. And she was like, what are you talking about? And, and I'm telling her this like in Spanish. And I was like, they're, <laughs> they're going to get fired. And she was like, who's going to get fired? What are you talking about? And I, I said, somebody fucked up and they let me into Berkeley and I don't belong here. And it was after my first week of just seeing how intelligent everyone around me was, <laughs> how much reading um, I was given in that first week. It was more reading than I had ever done in my life. I was like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. And I, I was convinced that somebody messed up. 
so like that's how deep that imposter syndrome was and what really helped is I started to learn about the mindsets so there's a researcher named Carol Dweck that researches the mindsets and there's two different mindsets there's the growth mindset and then there's the fixed mindset and the fixed mindset believes that people are just kind of naturally good at what they're good at and they're not good at what they're not good at so they constantly try to stay in their comfort zone and they really look at challenge as something that um, they want to stay away from challenges just show demonstrate like that they're not worthy that they're not good but somebody with the growth mindset looks at challenges as an opportunity for growth and the growth mindset believes that your abilities they are improvable so they're not uh, fixed and when i learned about that i read this book called the new psychology of success and it talks all about mindsets that book really helped me get over the imposter syndrome. And I actually read it in a class inside of Berkeley that was meant to help transfer students transition into the four-year university. So that really, really helped. And then I think what also helped was just meeting other people that kind of felt the same way. And uh, so community, I think connection and community really helps. And then lastly, I think just through the years, I've learned that companies like LinkedIn, companies like Oracle, universities like Berkeley, they don't make mistakes like that. If you are in a position where you feel like, oh, maybe you're not good enough and maybe you shouldn't have been hired, you wouldn't have been hired if you weren't meant to be there. And I think once you really start to, to learn that, you know, the, the people that hired you had many other people to choose from. And if they chose you, you better believe it, that you're supposed to be there. And I think learning that really helped overcome any additional imposter syndrome. Absolutely. And no, I, I couldn't agree more on just the, that approach because at the end of the day, if you're approaching um, something challenging with the mindset, if I just want to stay away from it because I don't want to, like, I feel like I'm going to give up or I feel like I'm just it's not going to go well, it's, you're not going to go far. But if you're actually approaching it with like a growth mindset, like it makes all the difference. And, and I couldn't agree more on that. Um, so kind of ex expanding a little bit more on that, in a previous article, uh, you stated, did you know that 80% of our thoughts are negative? By using positive affirmations, we train our brain to start believing how amazing we truly are. When we feel worthy of success, success will manifest and flow into our lives. I love that. I think it's extremely important because I think it's it's important to remind yourself just like throughout the day, you know, um, just positive affirmations because I feel like our mind can lie to us at times. Like, you know, we, we do get those negative thoughts or um, it, it like kind of like what you said, it's, it's like that friend that is like that critical friend that just keeps coming back. You know, it, we still are going to be getting those thoughts. So, so what does that actually look like? Like in your day to day, like what are practical uh, affirmations that you kind of just tell yourself? Like, how does that look like? Yeah. And the, the I think it's important to also, mention why it is that our brain is wired for negativity. And the reason is that our, that little negative voice, it's, it's doing nothing more than looking to keep you safe. And the world that we constant, that we live in at the moment where we are working out of our home offices and, you know, have all of this technology, this is, this is fairly new. This is not what the human brain was originally equipped for you know we were tribal creatures for a long time where we lived 
out, outdoors and intense and there was wild animals that could kill us. So these negative thoughts are literally what keep you alive. So those negative thoughts are what remind you to look both ways before crossing the street. They're what remind you to stay away from cliffs. They're what remind you to like, be careful with the knife, things like that. So it's, it's actually, if we didn't have these negative thoughts, we wouldn't be here. So I think it's important to give them their place. And it's also important to recognize when those those thoughts aren't necessarily helpful. And the way that I practice using things like affirmations is um, I'm a big journaler. So in the morning, that's usually the first thing that I do. And I kind of write down anything that is on my mind, anything that's bothering me. And typically when I get it out of my brain and onto something tangible, you can just kind of become the observer of your own thoughts rather than following them along and identifying with them. So that's really helpful journaling. Another thing is mindfulness. So a lot of times we are, most of our thoughts are remembering the past or worrying about the future. And especially the worrying about the future. Every time that I'm speaking to one of my clients and they have they're worried about something. It's worried. They're worried about something that could possibly happen. It hasn't even happened yet. So practicing mindfulness is really helpful. And then as far as affirmation goes, I, because I'm a coach and I, um, I'm constant, I'm yeah, constantly enrolling and looking for, for new clients. I have to remind, I have sticky notes that are on my monitor that I'm staring at right now. And one of them is I transform lives. And I think sometimes we can forget how much power we have. And I even still got the, get the imposter syndrome, even though I've been running this business pretty well for a year, it's still very new. So I have the, the post-it note that says I transform lives. I have another one that says I am abundant. And I have another one that says everyone wants to work with me. And these little reminders are things that I need kind of for work stuff. But if you're really struggling with things like, let's see, if you're struggling with believing that you don't belong at your company, maybe you can write something like, I'm exactly where I need to be, or um, I'm trying to think of an affirmation from the top of my head, but of course now I'm blinking. Another one could be, um, I create, I do, I create quality work or um, like if somebody has given you a compliment at work, write that down and remind yourself of those things. And a big thing that's actually been on my mind lately is I see a lot of people in my community, like once they're given a compliment, they kind of like tear it down. And like, we we really need to work on that. Uh, I, everyone needs to work on that. Because if somebody gives you a compliment, it's typically meant from a good place. And for us to reject that compliment is, is like we are denying ourselves of good things. So like, how can you ever expect to manifest your dream life if you can't even accept a compliment from your management or from a colleague? So I think we really need to get better at allowing and allowing good things to come to us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And no, I love what you said is like, because people, you're right in that, you know, people are constantly thinking about their past, worrying about the future. And kind of, there, there's another quote that I found really interesting in in an article, uh, which which focused more on like uh, just cultivating like self-passion, um, same article actually. And you stated Recognize how far you've come. It's easy to focus on where you think you should be going instead of recognizing how far you've come. Keep a journal. Keep track of your wins, no matter how big or sm how small they may seem. I love that. Um, but kind of what you said, it's like we're constantly worrying about what's next, right, or what was already in the past. So 
how do you actually you know remain present and and spend some time like focusing on on now yeah so a lot of that is through the journaling as well as practicing mindfulness and mindfulness can be everything from meditating to literally going out for a walk yesterday i had such a long day i had a public speaking event uh, virtual but uh, I took the dogs out for a walk and I was like, okay, the dogs need it, but so do I, <laughs> mainly I need it. And that was pretty grounding for me. Um, another thing to do as well, uh, that is used a lot in the therapy world, but, and also in the mindfulness world is identify one thing that you can see, one thing that you can hear, one thing that you can smell, one thing that you can taste, one thing that you can touch. And that helps you come into the present moment because you're focusing on on the now. And uh, besides that, there's a book called The Power of Now, which is a pretty good book about mindfulness. So I would suggest those two things. Fantastic. So kind of going off of that, I feel like one area that really is, is, is key when it comes to imposter syndrome is just you comparing yourself to others and just focusing on the success of others, but to the point where like it's, it's not causing any good. Like it's one thing to like look at someone and and be happy for them and reflect on on them. Like that's, you know, there's there's a lot of good that can come out of that. But when you actually just focus on their accomplishments, it it makes a difference. Like um, focusing on like to the point where it, it just kind of gets to you. And so I'm curious, like, how do you approach um, you know avoiding comparison um, while still being able to be you know, feel happy for others? This is a very good question. And it's something that most people deal with because again, we are tribal creatures and we look to others for survival and we look to, to others for direction. Like if, if our parents, if we didn't look to our parents regarding how to walk and how to eat, we would never evolve. So it's actually literally built into human nature to compare ourselves. And it can it can be looked at as a very positive thing or it can be pretty traumatizing so as a new coach that this is kind of what i'm doing this is what i've been doing full time now it's coming close to a year it's normal for me to look at other coaches and think like oh man i should be doing that too or oh man i should be doing this and i think it's helpful to recognize that we are all on our own journey and there was many times in the past when I was hoping that my, I was running a food blog before I became an actual coach. And there was many times that I looked at others and I was like, oh, I just like want their success already. Or I want like my own cookbook. And now that I look back, I'm so freaking glad that that didn't happen because I was not meant to do food blogging. I was meant to do what I'm doing now. And had that worked out for me, I would never be where I am now. So what the way that I've really started to look at comparison is when I see something that somebody else has, that is clarity for me that it's something that I want. And I think when we can think about it from that perspective, because many times we are all looking for clarity, we, we're all looking for direction. And if you find yourself getting triggered by like the success of someone else, ask yourself, what about the success is something that I want? And then add it to your vision board if you have a vision board or like add it to your goals list, because that is letting you know information. It's so you can look at it as, okay, I'm really happy for their success because that's theirs. But now I know that eventually I want to write a book. Now I know that I want to do podcast interviews. Now I know that I want to do X, Y, and Z. So if you can look at it as like a learning experience, 
and identifying that it's something that you want, that's great. Like that's a very positive thing and know that what's meant for you is going to work out for you. So what's going to somebody else is not meant for you. And when you can trust that, that's when, that's when the magic happens. Oh, that's, that's a very interesting way to, to kind of view that. Um, I guess I, I didn't even think about it as much like that, that but it, it makes a lot of sense is it you can view it as a way it's like, this is something that, that brings me clarity. Like it's something that, that I know that I will want and I can add it on my, one of my goals. I can, you know, keep an eye on it, like, and see if I can accomplish it. But no, that's, that's a really great, wow, really great way to approach it. Um, moving forward, in an article published in Harvard Business Review, uh, Joe Corkendale stated, recognize imposter syndrome feelings when they emerge. Awareness is the first step to change. So ensure you track these thoughts. What they are and where they emerge. How do you catch and stop yourself from falling into imposter syndrome? Because I think that, I feel like that's that can be hard. It's like you, you recognize now, like these are areas that you struggle in. You recognize that these are areas that I need to improve in. But how do you actually like stop yourself in the moment from falling into the trap of of giving in? per se, to imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's um, that's such a good quote because it really all comes down to our thoughts, the way we think about a certain a certain thing. So with the example of, okay, do I do I belong at this company? It could the thought could be something along the lines of I'm not qualified enough to be in this role or People around me don't look like me. So maybe I don't belong here, something like that. Or the thought could be, wow, nobody looks like me. So I bring this new perspective to the company that wouldn't be here unless I was here. Or um, about like not qualified, like, oh, wow, I don't have preconceived notions on how I should think about a specific problem or solution. And I'm bringing in such a different perspective. So like, it's the same situation, but the thought is different. So I completely agree with that quote regarding you can't change anything that you're not aware of. So the first thing to do is identify it. And then the second thing I would say is you have to, you have to ask yourself, is this belief actually true Mm. or is it not true? Because a lot of times it's just shit we make up in our head. So for many times I thought like, there's no way I can make more money being a life coach than I do in my tech job. That's a thought. Like there's no evidence amongst that. It was literally just what I believed. So the way that I have my clients go through it is we identify what their belief is and we we literally challenge it. There's actually a, a lady, um, her name is Byron Katie and she has a worksheet online. It's free. It's called One Belief at a Time. And the worksheet asks questions like, so you you write down what the statement is. And then the first question is, is it true? Do I absolutely know that it's true? And then the questions proceed to, who would I be without this thought? Um, what are what's, What are some examples of like this thought being true? Like, why do I think it's true? And then like, what are some examples of like why this thought is not true? So it really has you explore the root of that belief. Mm-hmm. So I think the the faster that you can begin to identify what your belief is around the imposter syndrome, the sooner you can challenge it and prove yourself wrong. Absolutely. And it's it's interesting how, how much weight those thoughts actually can have, like how much of a toll they can actually have. Like, just like you thinking, 
about just salary, like just like something that you were. It was just a thought, but it's crazy. It's it just carries so much weight into that. And so, um, everything you mentioned, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you help others overcome imposter syndrome? Uh, I think we spoke a lot on like a lot of it is from yourself, you know. But is there any way that we can help those around us, like that we know are kind of struggling with this, or um, like really, what can we do to, I guess encourage them during tough times? Yeah, most of my, so I have clients in my group coaching program, which is called Purpose Driven Latina. It helps women of color overcome self-doubt, imposter syndrome, as well as align with their purpose. And a lot of them want to like start businesses. Other people just kind of want clarity in their life. But let me tell you, Martin, the whole damn program is all about simple imposter syndrome. (laughs) Like no matter what they want to do, there's always Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome there. So um, I think being in a community is really helpful because what they recognize is that they're not the only ones. And there's definitely power in feeling seen and heard and validated and knowing that you're not the only one. So your community is everything. Like, I really think that the first thing to do is look at your friend group and look at who you're spending your time with because they really will influence how you think about yourself. And I think the biggest tip I could give people is whatever the hell your goal is, go find other people that either have the same goal or are already living that. Because who you surround yourself with really, really does impact how you think about yourself and your abilities. So if you want to become a millionaire, go find a bunch of millionaires that you can surround yourself with. If you want to start a podcast, find other people that have started podcasts and do informational interviews, things like that. Make it feel like it's possible for you. I think a lot of imposter syndrome comes from like the limiting beliefs that maybe our parents even have about themselves. So when I told my mom that I was leaving a six figure tech job, she thought I was insane. And she was like, how are you going to do this? But you know, it, it was not her responsibility to understand what I'm looking to do. She's from another generation. She's from another country. So what helped was being surrounded by other people that also wanted to start their own businesses. And I have like three or four friends that were looking to do something, friends that I made because they were looking to do the same thing. So that would be the first thing I would say, the people you surround yourself with really matters. The second thing I would say, for those of you that are looking to overcome imposter syndrome is recognize that 70% of the people experience imposter syndrome, at least at some point in, in, their life. So Mm -hmm. you may be feeling like an imposter at your work, but your colleague could feel it too. And nobody's going to talk about that shit because especially during your interview, you probably were like, yeah, I'm experienced in that. And then they have you do it and you're like, oh shit, I don't know exactly how to do this. So like, it makes sense that especially in the workplace, we're not going to talk about this. So um, another thing I would say is find that worksheet that I mentioned, the, the one belief at a time. And then the last thing would be identify like why it is that you're feeling this imposter syndrome. So identify that belief. Maybe like you're asked to work with spreadsheets. This is actually a true story. When I was at my tech job, um, I had to work with spreadsheets and I'm not very good with spreadsheets. It's definitely not my, my zone of genius. And that I had imposter syndrome because I literally didn't know how. So this goes back to that like <laughs> salsa dancing experience. And I ended up taking a class on, on spreadsheets. So like, and that helped the imposter syndrome. So I would say identify what the belief is. If you actually need to work on something, then take a class, figure it out. Like it's 2021, you can YouTube anything now. 
and Absolutely. find a community. Yeah, that those would be my answers. Well, that's that's fantastic, and that that's a really good thing that you can bring up. It's like if this is something that if you recognize that there's like this is an area I'm weak in, like now what can you do about it? Like think through that. There's there's so many resources out there, so many opportunities of growth, and it just takes that step to um, to just get after it. So it's a really good thing you bring up. But uh, I couldn't agree more with the people you surround yourself. They'll influence you, and you know if there is an area that you want to focus in like if there is a goal that you have like definitely make sure that you're you're bringing in those type of people because community is everything and at times and and uh it makes a huge difference um so are there any final thoughts that that you'd like to share before we conclude i'm thinking (laughs) um yeah i i guess it's just that i have a lot of experience working with people of all different ages and as different as we all are, we're all at the core of the same. Like we all want to live a, a fulfilled life. We want to make an impact. We want to be successful. We want to create generational wealth, like all of these things. It doesn't matter the gender, the background, the age, like these are the things that people that I have coached throughout my experience as a coach have have desired and we all have the same blocks which is we block ourselves like a lot of times we we could we could blame external factors like oh um you know like my parents didn't really like educate me on this or i didn't really have any mentors growing up but like i really encourage you to look at what's in your power because if you don't advocate for yourself, nobody else is going to do that. Like nobody's going to come give you permission and say, you know what, Martin, you should go start a podcast and I'm going to go do it for you. Like you had to take that ownership yourself. And that's the same thing with like anything that we want in life. And when we think about imposter syndrome, it's something that like does not go away. There's a saying in coaching that says new levels, new devils. And it's so true because when I was first starting out, my fear was getting clients. Now I have an abundance of clients, but now my fear is scaling my business or like hiring people to come on my team. There's always going to be new experiences that are going to bring imposter syndrome into your life, but you have to one, you have to be the one to to take control over it. You have to be the one to take ownership and the one to be courageous. And courage is different than fe- fearless. Fearless means you don't have fear. Fearless will get you killed. Courage means that you are feeling the fear, but you're doing it anyways. So like, it's okay to be afraid. Everything that you do for the first time is going to be scary. Imposter syndrome is going to be there. But if you use the tips that we talked about in the episode, then I think you'll be on your way. Well said. And, you know, being an advocate for yourself, like having that confidence, it it makes a huge difference. And uh, so I couldn't agree more with the things that you brought up. Uh, well, Erica, thanks. This is this has been awesome having you. Um, love your energy, love your experience, and and your thoughts have just been really great. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time coming on to my show. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation and a great start to my weekend. Absolutely, and um, it is a pleasure to have you. Listeners, highly recommend you check out Erica's website, and so I'll include a link on my Instagram and on my LinkedIn uh, post a link to the website um, and a link as well to some of her social media platforms so that you can stay up to date as she continues to just post really awesome resources there and really cool to follow along with her journey. Uh, But with that, thank you everyone so much for listening and have a great day. 